12. We read the following words in verse 14. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see God. Looking carefully, lest anyone falls short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by this many become defiled. Let us pray. Father, we thank you and we bless you for all that our hearts have felt. And God, we ask that you would forgive us for anything that we withheld in terms of our expressions of appreciation and gratefulness. For you are altogether wonderful. And God, one day we shall stand before you in your presence and we will give an account for everything that you have entrusted to us and God, I would pray that none of us will be guilty of having withheld praise. <laughs> For you are indeed worthy of all the praise. We bless you and we do praise you in this house. In the name of Jesus, the church said amen. Amen, 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 amen. And Brother Brian, I said after I prayed, but thank you anyway. Praise God or all that the Lord is doing. My heart has been very heavy for some things that uh, seem to be recurring in the lives of those of us who name the name of Christ as our Savior and somewhere in the back of our theological file cabinets we have assented intellectually to the fact that he's Lord. But the evidence of that is often not on display. Verse 15 says, Beware, lest any root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by, by this many are defiled. A root is a part of a plant, usually below ground. It holds the plant in position. Roots draw water and nourishment from the soil and store food for feeding. It gives the plant or weed life. While a root cannot be seen, for it is hidden beneath the ground, the fruit of a root, the symptoms, is what we are able to observe. What is seen is the fruit of the root, it is the visible manifestation of an invisible infestation the visible manifestation of an invisible infestation. The root is where the weed or action of our lives originate. A weed is what a 
what a cough is to a cold. It's a symptom, not the cause of the cold. For real healing, you must determine the cause. You must determine what kind of roots you're dealing with and use the proper strategy to kill the root. Tell your neighbor, kill it. Kill it. We're still continuing our series of sermons entitled Total Disclosure. And you will not know total healing until you have dealt with the root cause of what, what is behind your behaviors, what is behind your anger, what is behind your pain, what is behind your depression, what is behind your addictions, what is, what is behind that noise. There's a cause. There is a cause. After many years of counseling people and couples, I have discovered that the that the greatest and and the the greatest personal and relational conflicts usually are due to things that have happened years ago. When we fail to deal with past hurts properly, it is impossible to truly resolve present conflicts. Have you ever had a disagreement with someone that is very close to you? Maybe it's your spouse. And you and her have been, have been doing great. Everything's fine. And then out of nowhere, a tornado of apocalyptic proportions <laughs> touches down on your marriage. And now you're arguing about things that happened 15, 20 years ago, stuff that you thought you had killed. But here they are again. And you're sleeping in separate rooms living in the same house but not speaking, talking about ain't God good all the time, but, but you don't feel like that. You're perpetrating because if the truth be told, a root of bitterness has taken place or taken, has settled in your heart. Until you kill the root, you will remain in bondage to your past. Satan will continue to use what hurt you to victimize you again and again. It's one thing for somebody to hurt you, and they can go to jail, they can die, but every time you think about what they did, if it has the same kind of impact on your current responses, now you're allowing the devil to get you again and again from that singular incident. The worst thing that can happen to you is not what happens to you. 
It's how you respond to what happens to you. Because you allow the enemy to puncture the same wound again and again when you react instead of responding in the power of the Holy Spirit. When I hear people who have left churches 20 years ago still talking about how they treated me, <laughs> or you've been married three times now and you're still talking about that first one, there's a root <laughs> that has not been, because I, I, it's just, it, it's unfathomable to me that Christians don't seem to be able to get on, to go forward, to get over stuff. I want you to know the reason you haven't gotten over it is because there's a root of bitterness that has gripped your heart. As was already read in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, we read the following, see to it that, that you do not fall short of the grace of God. I want you to understand that when you allow what has happened to you to control you rather than the spirit of God, you are living beneath the privileges of grace. You'll get that later. And that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Here we are warned in the word of God that there's something that you and I must do. Don't allow yourself to become a victim that is trapped by what now is a stronghold in your life. I want to talk a little bit, first of all, what causes the root of bitterness in our lives? What causes the word bitterness in the Greek is pyrrhea, or pyrrhea, pyrrhea, which means sticky, sticky. It's like these, those, the, uh, what's the, what's the, the, the stuff that sticks to your clothes, what do you call that, Velcro? It sticks to your clothes. <clears throat> the word pica means to stick. And the idea is, it's one thing to be angry for a minute or even, you know, part of a day. But when you do not, like the Bible says, don't go to bed angry, be angry, but sin not. When you allow the anger to simmer and to remain, it becomes, what it becomes is resentment. Resentment becomes malice, and malice becomes a spirit of bitterness. And then now what should have been dealt with in the power of the Holy Spirit, it has stuck to you. It's like putting bubble gum in carpet. You can see it, and you know it's there, but it's very, once it's stuck in the carpet, it's difficult to remove it. Once a spirit of bitterness grips your heart, it is very difficult to remove it. Somebody say amen. amen. Because bitterness grows slowly, and I'm actually, I want to go through this because I feel like we need to hear this today. Grows slowly over time in our hearts. You may not even realize that the root has become a stronghold in your life. You don't know over time. It was just anger. Now it's resentment. And it's not always there. It's just in certain 
setting. You see somebody and you go from rejoicing in the Lord and all of a sudden you just upset. May not even realize it. The seed of bitterness is a hurt that was planted in your heart by something that has happened to you in your past. Something happened to you that sowed that seed. And instead of us dealing with it properly, or sometimes you don't even know how to deal with it because you're too young, or you, you lack the biblical wherewithal, that now what was sown has found fertile soil. It may be intentional. Joseph's brothers intentionally sold him into slavery. It may be unintentional. Abel had no idea that his brother Cain was so angry because God accepted Abel's offering and rejected Cain. Somebody, sometimes people hurt you and they don't intend to, but it still hurts. Someone's, uh, 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 sometimes another cause of, 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 of the seed, of, of the root of bitterness, is sometimes you think somebody meant to hurt you or something happened to it, it never did. Nobody said that. You thought you heard it, and because you thought you heard it, it's real to you, and now that thing has gone 10 years. You remember when I walked in the room, and you said, and I, no, I never said that. Yes, you did. <laughs> now, first, it starts off as a, bear, a bearing uh, Christmas tree, no ornaments, but by the time you get finished decorating what you think you heard, what you think they thought, it gets really bad. I know what you were thinking. Now you done decorated that tree with all kinds of evil intentions against you, and the person never intended or did what you think they did. But it's real to you. Once the seed of bitterness has been sown in your heart, it becomes like a burning ember in a parched forest, simmering as it waits to set fire everything and everyone that comes into its presence. It's like an ember. In California, here, all these thousands of acres burning. It just started with a, an ember, just a spark. And bitterness is like that. It simmers like a quiet earthquake and waiting for someone to look at you or say something to you at the right time. And just when that occurs, the fire reignites. And everything in the radius of your emotional outbursts suffers as a result of the flame that was never quenched in the manner in which God said it should be. There are also times when the hurt may be the chastisement, the discipline of the Lord in your life. The Bible says that God chastens those who he loves. And so sometimes we're mad at God because of his Jonah when the Lord told him to go to Nineveh, and he eventually did after he got finished with Fishbelly University and the great fish vomited him out. He did what God said. He was the shortest sermon in the history of mankind. It was two verses, repent or die, repent or die. And to his displeasure, the entire city of Nineveh, including the king, 
repented and got saved. And Jonah became enraged with God. He had a root of bitterness in his heart against God. Sometimes our anger is against God because we've been living a certain way and God said he would, but he didn't. Or God took somebody from us that we thought he shouldn't, but he did. A bitter person is hypersensitive. This is how you know when you're dealing with somebody who has a root of bitterness. They're super sensitive. Here's what I mean by the easily offended. Easily offended. Too many Christians go around looking for something to be upset about. You should not be a part of the problem. You should be a part of the solution. Everything should not upset you. The problem is you're so used to being so immature emotionally that you don't feel right unless you are upset. That's your norm. But I want you to understand that's a symptom. The cause is that there's a root of bitterness that's born out of something that you think or might have even happened to you that has left you wounded. Hypersensitive, ungrateful. Here's how you know person that is, who has a root of bitterness, is constantly complaining, constantly finding a reason to find fault. Insincere. They can't do anything without strings attached. There's always a condition. They do the right thing for the wrong reason. They got to be noticed. They got to be recognized. And then when they're not, because of the, what, the hurt that, that brought about the root of bitterness, for many, is that somewhere in your past, somebody rejected you. And so when you experience anything close to rejection, it's, it triggers in you isolation, et cetera. We, I don't want to jump ahead of myself. Are you still with me? A person who has a root of bitterness holds grudges. Here's what I mean. You withhold forgiveness. And you use that as you weaponize unforgiveness. You use it as a a tool to inflict emotional pain on somebody who's genuinely sorry, but you want them to really be sorry. (laughs) And so you you can withhold forgiveness and it becomes like a weapon. And people are tiptoeing around you and trying to avoid upsetting you and, and trying to prove over and over again that they didn't mean it. And the more they do it, the greater pleasure. You gain pleasure out of people's suffering when you have the root of bitterness. When, other, when you are miserable, everybody has to be miserable. You are going to rain on everybody's party. You know anybody like that? Bitter people have mood swings. You never know what spirit you're dealing with. I ain't talking about somebody bipolar. I'm talking about some. A lot of what we call in bipolar, God calls it a root, a spirit of bitterness. We 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 done sanctified sin. No, no, it's a root of bitterness. 
That's what that is. When your heart is bitter, God will not be real to you because hatefulness and holiness do not dwell in the same heart. And without holiness, the Bible says, no man will see God. You cannot live knowingly with a heart that is filled with bitterness and resentment and anger and unforgiveness and rage and still think somehow you're going to find yourself at the foot of Jesus. Holiness and hostility towards those who God has created cannot coexist. A man and his wife pulled up in a gas station. The tank was empty. And so he was probably in New Jersey where they, where they have an attendant. The attendant came and started putting, pumping the gas in the car. And what they do in New Jersey, they do it here. In, in Philadelphia, you got these guys that are pimping for money. But no, in New Jersey, it's actually their job. They start washing the window and, and hosing it down and cleaning it. And then as he's cleaning, the attendant cleaning the window, the man on the inside with his wife, the man says, the window's still dirty. What do you mean you're finished? Do it again. And then the man starts wiping the window again and, and, and looking really closely to make sure there are no insects or places that he missed. And then he says, sorry, I'm done. And he says, are you kidding me? The man started to get just angry and, and, and just, you know, out of sorts. I, how dare you say that this window was clean? It's just as dirty as it was when you started. You better do it again. And he says, sure, sir, I'll do it again. So he washes the window a third time. He gets a different cloth. He puts a different kind of fluid on the window. He scrubs that thing. He puts his elbow on it. He looks everywhere he can look in the window, and his mind is just a spot. And the man said, are you going to tell me that you think that this window? And then the man starts getting out of the car. He said, I'm going to report you to your supervisor. You'll never wash another windshield in your life, not, at least not at this station, and expect me to come and spend my money. And just as he's getting out of the car, his wife takes his glasses off and gets a tissue, and she wipes the lenses of his glasses. And now the man puts the glasses on, and he's totally embarrassed because the window was not only spotless, it was squeaky clean. The problem wasn't the windows. The problem was the lens that the man was looking through the window with. I want you to understand, when you have a heart that is filled with bitterness and resentment and anger, the lens that you will see the world through will be that of anger and rage and wrath and misery. Somebody say something to you, and you just can't see anything positive in it. There's got to be something wrong. There's got to be an angle. What are they really up to? Well, the person that's getting ready to give this to you, his name is Jesus. He's the same one who died on the cross. I know that somebody died on the cross. Are you still talking? Let's look. The lenses that a bitter heart looks through the world at. You will look in the mirror at yourself on your best day. And what you're going to see is what they said. God asked Adam and Eve, who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were inferior? Who told you you were unattractive? Who told you that you lacked intelligence? Who told you your skin was too dark? Who told you you were too heavy? The lens that you're looking through is through the root of bitterness that was sown in your heart. Not from God. 
you're going to overreact to something that should be minor. You will become spiritually useless when your heart is filled with self-righteous wrath. You actually feel like you're right to be unforgiving. You don't know what he did. You don't know what she did. And they knew better. And you feeling like you, 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 you. You know, you're not on God's side. You're on the opposite side of God. Well, if they would say they're sorry, God never makes that a requirement for us to forgive. It's a command. It's a command. I also read somewhere where it says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. God can handle your enemy a lot better than you can. Somebody say amen. You're spiritually useless to the kingdom. The root of bitterness allows your anger and your unforgiveness to feel normal and acceptable. It's not normal. It's not acceptable to be playing with matches around oxygen. It's not normal and acceptable to be striking a match when you're putting gasoline in your car, you fool. What well, ain't blown up yet? It must be. No, it's not all right because you feel like you can act this way? Somebody say, kill it. Now, who has this root of bitterness? In verse 15, it says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up or causes trouble and defile many. Notice the phrases, see to it, those three words. And uh, that no one, the, the two words, the three words, see to it, and then the, 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 the following three words, that no one. The word for see to it uh, in uh, the King James Version is translated or rendered, look carefully. Say, look carefully. <laughs> Comes from the Greek word episkopio, episkopio. You'll forget that as soon as you leave. We get our English word scope, our periscope comes from it. It means to inspect something thoroughly, to investigate, examine, or to analyze frequently and diligently. And so he says, I want you to see to it, to look carefully, and the tense of the word for see and look is what is called the present progressive tense in the Greek. It means don't just look once. But keep on looking on a daily basis because the seed of uh, 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 bitterness is always trying to find fertile soil. You who think that you can't become bitter, you beware. He says that no one be overtaken by this. And so the no one includes all of us. All of us are vulnerable to holding on to anger, to being unforgiving. I was in a room with a man who was dying, and as I'm praying, when I lifted my eyes up after praying, the man was gone. He was dead. Friday at 5.30, and I'm thinking, why did this have to happen to me? I'm not dead. He is. But I'm actually saying this in my, in my mind. This is the last thing that I'm going to have to be thinking about. 
His sister goes into seizures. The son comes in. He punches the, don't punch a hospital door. Don't do it. He broke his hand. So I didn't have to worry about him after he did that because I, I, was, I was kind of charged to calming him down. Nope, the door did it. He was fine. <laughs> he was fine. <laughs> but as I stood there beside that man, just 68 years old, he was the rock of the family. Tears just began to stream down my eyes. All these years I've been doing this, why am I affected in this way? I want you to understand, sometimes there's things in your life that have happened that a circumstance will bring to mind that thing. And then it just grabs you and it sucks you into it. And before you know it, you're crying harder than the family. That's what that root of bitterness is like. You think you're all right. Until somebody, I remember going to functions and everybody had their father. Not me. The first time I saw a picture of my father, I was 65 years old. I'd never seen my father. Never knew what he looked like. I was, in my mind, I was going to go to my grave not knowing what my father looked like. And then, my, thank God to my amazing eldest son who can do anything. He can, he can sell you swampland, and, and, you, and you won't even be mad. But he, he got that picture. And it was something about seeing my father that dealt with the root in my life that was a source of pain, that was a source of shame, that was a source of rejection in, in a chapter that had never been finished. Who can this happen to? Who can have a, a, a root of bitterness? Everybody in this room. And when you think that you don't, you may, in fact, be filled with the spirit of, of, of bitterness. I was, uh, as we move on, I was reading a story. A, a, a grandfather went to his grandkids invited his grandchildren to his home, and, and they were, you know how energetic kids are. So he decided to take a nap. He's sleeping, and his uh, mischievous grandchildren said, let's, let's play a trick on granddad. So they get some of this Lindbergh or Linesburger cheese, the stinkingest cheese. What is it? Lindbergh's cheese, okay. And he put this horrible-smelling cheese on their granddad's mustache. And he wakes up after a good nap, and he takes in a deep breath, and he says, this room stinks. And he walks out of the room, and he goes into the kitchen, gets ready to go to the video, and says, the kitchen stinks. And then he goes out into the yard, and he says, man, I'm going to get some fresh air. This is, some, this is horrible. Man, what are they doing? And then he takes in a, a deep breath outside, and he says, everything stinks. Everything didn't stink. The stink was in his mustache. Sometimes what? How many jobs do you have to, to lose and uh, addresses you have to change and marriages you have to go through? And how many times you got to change your Facebook profile and your Instagram? You know, you're starting all over with brand new friends. How many times you got to do that to realize that the stink is not in them? <laughs> it's not in them. How is it that the same problem follows you everywhere you go? 
I, I kind of suspected the Lord may be saying that the reason why this situation is reoccurring is because the lesson that I'm trying to teach you, you haven't learned. He said, count it all joy when you, in, when you experience testing. He didn't say change jobs or get another husband or get another wife or change your Facebook profile. Move to another part of the world. The only problem when you move to another part of the world, you move to another part of the world. You took, the problem isn't, isn't in Delaware, it's in you. Now, why do we need to kill the root of bitterness? We've seen what it is. It's a hurt that has occurred in the past that we didn't deal with properly. Now it's stuck to us. And every time you find yourself in that context, those pains and those, that anger, it just rears itself up. And the way you interpret that scenario, it's interpreted through the lens of your experience. It's not, you're not objective. The Bible says that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter will grow up in you. And why? Because it causes trouble and it defiles many. It's contagious. That spirit is contagious. When you read further in verse, six, uh, verse 16, it actually says that no bitter root, it act, in verse 15 says that no bitter root grows up in you. One of the consequences of not dealing with what has hurt you is that something will spring up in you. It says that nothing grows up. It springs up. Something happens to you on the inside. It messes you up on the inside emotionally. It, 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 it captures you and, and, and bounds you, and it, it makes it impossible for you to ever trust anyone and to ever really be free in relationships because you, 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 you're concerned that somebody's going to do to you what was done to you. Something springs up in you, and you find yourself defensive. You find yourself arguing, and nobody's arguing. You're punching and swinging, punching at the air, and nobody's even. You're running, and nobody's chasing you. Something springs up in you. Sometimes that something is a spirit of fear, the fear that some, you're going to be rejected. They're not going to like you. They're not going to want you. There's something wrong with you. So when you don't deal with it, something will spring up in you. It's a consequence. Everybody around you is rejoicing, but you can't. You're in bondage. That spirit will hold you captive. One of the reasons why we have the president that we do is because he has tapped into a spirit of bitterness in this country. It divides. Somebody say amen. Something will spread to others. It says, causing trouble and defiling many. You're around a negative person long enough or somebody, and this is the unfortunate thing. When men hurt women, if you don't forgive what was done to you, you will be no good for whoever God is preparing for you. And I say to men, and I'm, I tell you, and we got a sermon entitled, a woman, I forget, it's a womanizer in church clothes, something like that. We're coming there. We're going there. 
We're going to be talking about identity theft, this whole struggle with sexuality. The devil is a liar. But if somebody is used by the enemy to rob you of the joy of the Lord, of the glory of God in your life, you're going to have to get to a place where you say, nope, you're not going to get me again, devil. No, 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 no. And you have to make a decision that when that spirit, if you don't rebuke that spirit when you're around it, you will catch it. And the next thing you know, you depressed, you angry, you going home fighting, and nobody started nothing. You've just been around negative people. you got to rebuke that spirit in others as well as in yourself. Don't settle for that spirit. Something happens to what is ours. So something springs up in us, something spreads around us when we don't deal with it, and something happens to what is ours. In verses 16 and 17, says, See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, for who for a single meal sold his inheritance, inheritance rights to his, as the older son. Afterwards, as you know, when he wanted the inheritance, wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, even though he sought the blessing with tears. He could not change what had been done. Watch this. There's something that God has for you that you will never have unless you deal with the spirit of the root of bitterness. One of the things that's going to happen is the loss of self-control. Esau gave up his inheritance for a bowl of soup. He gave up something that had eternal implications for temporal satisfaction. He lived by his impulses. He lived lived by his emotions rather than with his emotions. And so one of the things that happens when we have a spirit of bitterness, we are always up in our feelings. I feel, I feel, okay, I feel too. But the Bible says that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I'm not going to trust in my emotions. I'm going to live with them because it's the, it's the will that should control your emotions based on what the word of God has said. Don't wait until you feel good. Do good and you'll feel good. Lose your blessing. Someone else got the blessing That should have been Esau's. That husband that you should have had, somebody else got him. That job that you thought, well, they just didn't like me. No, they didn't like your attitude. Or you the the, the lack of confidence for you didn't even attempt to get the job because you thought they were gonna reject you. And so the blessing that should have been Esau's ends up with Jacob. There's a blessing with your name on it. God intended it for you, but if you don't take the blessing, he can give it to somebody else. He gave you one or two or five talents, but if you don't use the talents, you limit your potential. Esau received the lesser. He got a blessing, but it wasn't the greater blessing. 
I don't know about you, but I, I, I want everything that God has for me. I, I don't want to push anything away. I don't want to be a hindrance to God opening up the, I, I don't want just one window. I want him to open up the windows of heaven and to pour out on me. I don't know about you, but to pour out on me the blessings that are so bountiful that they blow your mind. They're beyond what you even ask or thought of. That's what I want, and that's what's available to us. You will limit your potential. You can lose your blessing altogether. You lose self-control when you live by your feelings rather than with them. And finally, you live a life of regret. Esau lived regretting what should have been. Now you're old. Older, let me say it like that. Be careful, y'all. <laughs> and you're looking back at doors that God had opened. You're looking back at words that were spoken over your life. You're looking back at visions that you knew came from God, but you never walked through the door. You never trusted him. And so when you look back, Instead of rejoicing over the goodness of the Lord, you're remorsing because of what could have been. Now, how do you kill the root of bitterness? We're almost done. Somebody say amen. amen. Admit that you are bitter and confess it. The Bible says, because, you know, denial will keep you in bondage. Say denial. Will keep me in bondage. In James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The fervent, effectual prayers of the righteous, we, we always quote that part of it. But you need to admit that you've been wounded and this wound has never been fully healed. The devil operates in darkness. And as long as you keep something in darkness, the Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And the way that, the, that you get freedom is that you declare what God has set you free from. You expose it. Ask God to reveal to you the root that caused the hurt that's hindering your spiritual growth. David said, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. God already knows us. But he's saying, search me. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me into the way of everlasting. He's saying, Lord, show me myself. What was said to me? What did I see? What did I hear? What was withheld from me that has caused me to behave in my marriage like this, to behave with my children like this? To operate, my decisions are made out of a root of bitterness, out of fear and, re and, and, and of rejection. Lord, what is it that happened? Let God reveal that to you. And you need to forgive those who hurt you. Forgiveness doesn't mean that the person gets away. We get this all mixed up. It doesn't mean the person gets away. When someone walks up and embraces someone in the courtroom and says to a woman who killed their brother, I forgive you. That doesn't mean that there aren't any consequences. 
I, 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 unfortunately, the way we think it should happen, go get a gun and shoot her and cut her up in parts. And then after you cut her up in parts and shoot her and then electrocute her and drown her, you still have bitterness in your heart. It doesn't bring the brother back. It doesn't take the wound away. Forgiveness sets you free. It allows you to receive what Jesus and I have come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. I want what God has for me, and I'm not going to let us uh, uh, the, the fruit of bitterness or the root of bitterness to prevent me. You may not speak to me. I'll speak to you. You may not like me, but I'm going to love you. You may not pray for me, but I'm going to pray for you. You may not buy my lunch. I'll buy your lunch and your dinner because I know the blessing is with him. The blessing is in obedience. The blessing is in submission. I'm about to be blessed up in here. Uh, God is allowing this so that he can release some things to me. Refuse to continue to be the victim. You don't have to be the victim. Devil, you a liar. You got me one time. You might have gotten me twice, but you ain't getting me again. Not with the same trick. Get help before it's too late. The damage that you cause when you are controlled by your emotions and the spirit of bitterness has generational implications. Sometimes we need professional help. If you've been sexually abused, physically abused, and all of us are different in terms of how we respond to that. But it takes humility. The Bible says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw nigh unto God and he'll draw nigh unto you. But before you can draw and resist, the Bible says he gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. you got to humble yourself to get the help you need. I'll tell you in a minute and I'll cry on you. I'll cry with you and you don't have to cry with me. When I'm hurting I thank God that there's healing in my tears. I'm not trying to stay where I've been. I'm not trying to stay in a place that blessing is not. I want to move forward in the Lord. Get the help that you need. Stand with me. Whenever I read the story of David, and Goliath, I always focused on the five stones and the satchel that he carried it in, and then him cutting Goliath's head off. And then I was reading the scripture, and the Lord just showed me something, that David, the first thing he did, he declared authority over his enemy. He said, by the end of this day, you, you're a dead man because the battle is not mine. It's the Lord. So he declared the word. 
And then the scripture says he ran not from the enemy. He ran in the direction of the battle. Just make sure that the battle is God chose it for you and you didn't pick the fight. Because if you picked it, you, you just, you, you on your own. The scripture says that he, he took the smooth stone and he struck the giant in the center of his forehead and he mortally wounded the giant. The giant fell. But he wasn't dead. You come to church every Sunday and you get a good word and your that, that, that root is wounded. It's temporarily uh, uh, anesthetized and it, it goes into his room and, and it acts okay for a couple days, but it's just wounded. And then the Bible says he killed Goliath. So the picture to me is he slays him and he is wounded, but he ain't dead. And then he takes the sword of Goliath and he kills him. But he goes another step. He cuts the head of Goliath off. What David was showing us, one, is to get the root of bitterness, to get whatever God is trying to defeat in your life. It doesn't always happen. It takes stages. It starts with the word. And then it starts with the weapons of your warfare. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty to the pulling down of stronghold. He used the weapons that he had. And then, and then he took the life. But when he took the head, it wasn't until David removed the head. See, David now knew he was dead. But those who David was fighting for couldn't have been sure until he, they saw the head. And once they saw the head, it mobilized the men of God to chase after the enemy. Sometimes what God has delivered you from, you're waiting for everybody to give you a 21 gun. So no, they haven't seen the head yet. When God delivers you, there'll be evidence. There's going to be evidence of the victory over what the devil has used to bind you. And what God has delivered you from now becomes your testimony. I once was bound. I once was under control of bitterness. But look. Look at what God has done. You got to kill this thing. You got to don't stop being satisfied with just wounding. Feeling good. Quoting Bible verses. Patting yourself on the back. Because you think you're forgiving. How dare us? Jesus died for our sins. While they were nailing him to the cross, he was saying, forgive them. How dare us withhold forgiveness? How dare us disgrace the grace of God? Kill it. Cut the head off. Don't walk in defeat anymore because of what someone has done to you or what you even thought was done to you. Somebody say, kill it. Let's pray.